The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, how about those Royals? They're back to 500, and they're currently 6-2. and two, Their last eight, including 4-2 and two on this all-so-important homestand. And they did so many things right tonight. Welcome into Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo, and let's get to all of the things that the Royals did well tonight. First of all, and most importantly, Jason Vargas completely shut down the Red Hot Indians. We can call them even White Hot, can't we? They've won nine of their last ten coming in. They just banged, what, 17 runs yesterday. They come in here to KC, and for the first seven-plus innings, Vargas was absolutely nails. As a lefty overall finish with seven and two-thirds, three runs on six hits, five Ks, zero walks. He did hit three batters. It'll be interesting to see if the Indians respond tomorrow, although I believe all three were on breaking pitches, so obviously no intent. But we shall see what happens. And doesn't it seem like Cleveland always is in brawls the last 10 years? I mean, new group of players, new manager, but doesn't it seem like they're always doing something, always in the shenanigans? <laughs> we'll see what happens tomorrow. But Jason Vargas, just another outstanding game for him. He is now 6-2 and two with a 3-3-0 ERA. And if anybody saw this coming, including Dayton Moore, I would be shocked. I mean, we knew he was going to give you innings. We knew he'd probably have an ERA in the threes, but I think everyone thought it would be more like the 3.85 to maybe the 4.15 area. Certainly not 3.30, you know, well over a third of the way through his season. So it's, you know, you can't even say sample size because it's a pretty good sample size for a year there for Jason Vargas. So hopefully he continues to throw well. He's doing great. And my question to you, could Jason Vargas be a dark horse candidate right now for an all-star selection? You might laugh until you, you know, take a second to think. He's currently, like we said, 6-2 and two with a 3-3-0. And he's got, what, a good five or six starts left before the All-Star game. You would think if he can get up to nine or ten wins with an ERA in the low threes, I think ten seals it, doesn't it? I mean, you and I both know wins are overrated when it comes to pitchers. I mean, yes and no. I guess in some ways they aren't, but in some ways they are. So you and I both know wins and losses aren't the most important stat, but they're sexy to the average baseball fan and even to probably a lot of guys who have been in the game for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it's an issue. Hopefully you can get to 9 or 10 and we can continue to debate that. It's a hair early to discuss him as an all-star, but you can't totally rule that out for Jason Vargas. Another great outing tonight, and really he could have gotten out of this one with you know, no runs had perhaps he been taken out a hitter or two earlier or with a break or two there in that eighth inning. But that's the number one thing tonight I took. There were three main things. Number one was just Vargas, a stud again tonight, cooling off that red hot slash white hot Cleveland team. Now, number two, that offense, three home runs tonight for the Royals. Wow, we've been asking and we got it in a big way tonight at the K. We saw a two-run shot from Eric Hosmer. That's two home runs in his last three games. That is completely giant. A solo shot, no doubt, from Alex Gordon off the back of the right field bullpen. And then Mike Moustakis clipping that foul pole line drive. No doubt home run length there. A two-run shot for Moose in the eighth inning. That was exciting, him and Gordon going in the same inning, and the Royals cruising to a victory. And not only were they hitting home runs tonight offensively, the second part was you got to give the Royals some mad props for taking advantage of a very poor defensive third inning from Cleveland. Now, the pessimists will say, well, they, uh, Cleveland would have made that error at second base. The Royals probably would have only gotten one run. Potentially true. But we've been seeing the Royals all season in the early stages, and we've seen other teams, you know, when errors are made, you still have to hit. I mean, 
yes, as Drupal Cabrera dropped that throw at second base, which, by the way, I have no idea how that was called out. It was not a transfer. It was a clear bam off the glove and out. But luckily, a replay got that one right for the Royals. But yes, it's true. There were three unearned runs tacked on. The Royals made it hurt, though, as good teams do. They you know took advantage. Cabrera opened the floodgates by dropping that ball. Also in that inning, plays that were not called errors, but easily you know could have cost the Indians outs. You had the ground ball to Carlos Santana. Potential double play ball. Only gets a one out at first instead of possibly turning two. And then you had that looper where Alcides Escobar was going back to tag, I assume. He was way off second base or you know way close to second base. Could have been had at third base had right fielder David Murphy made a better throw to force him out at third. So in a lot of ways, the Royals were given, we'll say, two extra outs. That would have been a tough double play hit to Carlos Santana at first base. But you know the bottom line is the Royals still made him pay. They could have easily... Rolled one over to a you know a double play ball or popped out on the infield or struck out. We've seen the Royals do plenty of those things during their slump earlier in the year. They didn't do that, and that's a great sign. So that's the second thing is the offense between the home runs and really making Cleveland pay. You got to do that. The Royals did it. Third, defensively, speaking of defense, I thought the Royals were terrific tonight. And namely Lorenzo Cain. I mean, there was a great play that Alex Gordon made over the shoulder, which kind of gets overlooked there. In the ninth, that was not an easy play. There are some other nice plays made, but Lorenzo Cain, yes, he did lose one of the lights there in the ninth inning that made things more interesting than they needed to be. But low Cain, let's go back to that third inning. We just talked about it with Cleveland. Let's go back for the Royals now. When the Royals, there in the top of the third were on defense. Lorenzo Cain saved a run on a play that Noria Oki had no chance at making. And he may have saved another one on a play before that that Oki may not have made. Now, I'm not trying to pick on Oki at all here. That's not the point of doing this. I'm just pointing out with the players that were on the field that Lorenzo Cain made two plays tonight. One for sure that Oki doesn't make, and one possibly. Let's go through this. The third inning there. So David Murphy grounds out to start the inning. Then Michael Bourne, not to be confused with Jason Bourne, singles to left. Then you've got play number one. Now this is the fairly impressive play where Lorenzo Cain comes in, dives for the ball, and I thought he had it sitting on the third row of section 132. I thought it was a catch. I, did, I actually have not seen the replay, so maybe it was a clear trap. I thought it was a catch. Either way, though, the fact that Kane gets to that was an outstanding play. So first of all, I don't think that Aoki even gets that close to it. I think he plays it on a bounce. He may have had an outside chance to force the runner at second like Kane did. But you got to think the runner at first probably is more like halfway if, if Aoki's not diving for it. So the runner may have gotten a second on that play. On that bounce play, there's a pretty good chance Aoki doesn't make that play. And Cleveland has runners at first and second. So either way, either Kane caught the ball or he made a hell of a play. And give Escobar big time props on that scoop of the century at second base. How about that scoop? Eric Hosmer had to tip his cap on that one, I'm assuming, to get that out there at second base. So that's number one. I'm I'm not sure Aoki gets an out on that because he certainly doesn't catch the ball on the fly. Number two, if he's not catching the ball on the fly, he plays that kind of back further. There's a good chance the runner makes it to second out when the ball bounces. I think Kane diving and appearing to make the catch kept the runner from playing halfway there and going to second. So that's the first play there in the third. Either way, Cleveland has a runner at first with two outs. Either way. So running on contact, they're going to score on a double over the right fielder's head with two outs running on contact, especially on Oki's arm, who's average at best out there. So Michael Brantley absolutely laced a line drive to right, didn't he? And Kane hesitated for maybe three-tenths of a second, maybe took a half step in, but then was able to recover, get back, and jump. His length, his tall frame definitely helped him on that play. He didn't have too much time to really, uh, I think it was about two or three steps, leap, catch. 
Aoki does not make that play. Zero percent chance. Zero percent. We have not seen him take good routes all year, and he doesn't have the height that Kane has or the athleticism. That's a run right there for sure. So that's one run for sure that Kane saved in the third inning on defense, possibly two or more. Because if you know, let's say Aoki doesn't make either of those plays out there, or that Kane doesn't make either of those plays, Cleveland's got one run in, runners at second and third, and one out. So nobody's going to talk about the third inning. They're going to talk about Vargas as they should. They're going to talk about the three home runs. They're going to talk about the Indians making mistakes, but don't overlook that third inning there where Lorenzo Cain potentially turned the game around at that point. Nothing, nothing. The Royals had seen a grand total of 17 pitches. That's eight and a half pitches per inning after two. And you think, oh, no, Kluber's dominant. They're overreacting, coming out, trying not to strike out. And you thought, oh, no, Cleveland's on fire. And Cleveland puts in a couple runs there, three runs there. The whole game could change. So I'm just saying give the Royals big props, three areas tonight. Number one, Vargas. Number two, offensively for the home runs and taking advantage of mistakes. And number three, the defense was freaking fantastic by Lorenzo Cain tonight. And that scoop by Escobar. There were some other nice plays. Vargas made a nice play himself on that chopper back to him. I believe it was the fifth inning. So, anyway, the Royals, just a nice win. They're back to 500 at 32 and 32. And what did I say coming into this homestand? I got lots of tweets, lots of emails on this website. Okay, maybe eight or nine, not lots, but eight, eight or nine is a pretty good amount, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of people telling me there's no chance they're leaving this homestand 500. I kept saying the Royals need to leave this homestand 500. I kept saying that. I kept saying, you know, going into that Toronto series, I said this, this season could get away if they don't at least split in Toronto. They took, you know, they did that. They split in Toronto to save the season. Then they started, you know, we, we can recap it. You know, three out of four against St. Louis, two out of three against the Yankees. They win this game. A great chance to sweep tomorrow. It's too bad that game got rained out yesterday, by the way, because you had the Yankees, probably number eight starter in all reality. By the time the Royals face them in August, they'll have added two starting pitchers. So you and I both know, being Royals fans, most likely we'll get Tanaka because that's how it works. We were going to miss him in this series, so you all just guarantee he's going to pitch the next time in the makeup game. You know, the Royals had them on the ropes. They weren't hitting worth a crap with the runners in scoring position. Their wrist was just awful. You were getting, like, the number eight starter, basically. Of course, it gets rained out. So that's bad luck for the Royals. So basically, had the Royals split tomorrow in that game against the Yankees, they leave town at 500. So it kind of throws things off a little bit now that we have an odd number of games. But the Royals win tomorrow. They exceed my expectations by one. They go a game over 500 on the road. Even if they lose, I'm still going to consider it 500 because they lost a game against the Yankees, and I think they would have split between yesterday and tomorrow. So no matter what now... It's a victory in this homestand. So I'm going to call tomorrow a gravy game. Tomorrow is a gravy game. What I consider a gravy game is a game that just you don't have to win it. It's nice to win, but at the end of the day, you can't really expect to necessarily win it. Yeah, the Royals have a slight edge tomorrow. They throw Ace Yordano Ventura, who came off an amazing start his last one back. 3-4-1 ERA. For Ventura, and he faces Trevor Bauer, one and two with a 408. Bauer only five games, five starts. He's going about five and a third per start. 28 innings in those five starts. 26 hits. He does strike out a lot. 35 Ks in 28 and two thirds. Walks a decent amount, 11. So every two and a half innings. So he's he's one of those guys. The Royals really need to focus on pitch count tomorrow. Really need to focus on it. They need to get this guy to 90 pitches after five plus innings. The way he throws. With all those strikeouts and all those walks, they should be able to tax him a little bit tomorrow. Interesting to see what they do tomorrow. I'm assuming Brett Hayes is catching since he was in the lineup yesterday originally, and since Sal caught the ninth, the Royals were up six, and Ned didn't bring in Brett there, which he did the other night. On Saturday, he brought in Brett Hayes when they were up big in that ninth inning, knowing that Salvi would catch the, the day game the next day on that Sunday. So I'm assuming Hayes is in the lineup tomorrow. 
decent chance we see a Pedro Siriaco at second base, I think, with Infante. Infante, to me, by the way, still doesn't look fluid out there, and he's not hitting the way he should and he's capable of. I think Infante still has some lingering effects of that back issue. He just looks kind of stiff out there, doesn't he? Good enough to play, for sure, but it doesn't look quite like himself. So it'd be nice to get him two days in a row off, and with the off day yesterday, that'd be three out of four off. Get him healthy going into Chicago. But tomorrow's a gravy game. The Royals could easily win it. No doubt. They do have a slight, <clears throat> a slight edge in the pitching matchup there. But we shall wait and see here on Clubhouse Conversation. There will be no dish tomorrow, by the way. I will not be watching the game. As I always say, if I don't watch the game in its entirety with my two eyes, I do not talk about it because I am not qualified to read a box score and claim that I know everything. Stats can only show you so much when you watch a game. So no Davos dish for tomorrow. We will be posting a terrific interview coming up here on Thursday with a former Royal. And I hope you've enjoyed, by the way, we've had the chance to talk to six different Royals draft picks over the last couple of days. I hope you've enjoyed these interviews. We broke that Chase Volo signed with the Royals yesterday. It was fun having him tell us that. Um, we've talked to several other Royals prospects as well. Not prospects, draftees, I should say. And I do have, knock on wood, two others committed for interviews that are both top four-round guys in the next couple of days. So hopefully a couple more draft picks for you before they get headed off to short season ball and we'll return to our normal double-A, uh, triple-A Wilmington interviews starting again next week as well. Plenty of more former interviews lined up for you. Just, just an exciting time, and I'm so glad to share this with you. I know you're still kind of skeptical about Clubhouse Conversation. It's new. You don't know a lot about it yet. Just keep coming. We appreciate you clicking and listening every day to Davo's Dish and the, and the interviews. Tell a friend at Royals Clubhouse on the Twitter, clubhouseconversation.com. You can subscribe on iTunes. Just have it loaded into your iTunes every time you open it. You know, Link us. It means a lot. Tell about us. Tweet about us. We're here to promote Royals baseball. We're here to talk to the players themselves, and we're here to help the momentum. And By the way, speaking of momentum, how about that fan base tonight? 25,000 for a Tuesday. God, didn't we? Uh, I don't have the attendance figures in front of me. Didn't we have a game against the Cardinals where we only had 22? I believe we did last week, right? That Wednesday night game, wasn't it? I believe it was only 22, and maybe 24 the next night. We had, I think we had more fans tonight than we did against the Cardinals. i got to double-check that, but... Uh, that's a sad indictment, you know, dickament on last week and a good sign about tonight, especially with the weather. Could it really have been because of that stupid T-shirt? Could that really draw that many people out there? If so, can we just give away T-shirts every game, please? All right, that's it for one night here on Clubhouse Conversation. Have yourself a good one. Thanks for listening, and go Royals. We'll talk to you again with some more interviews probably tomorrow for sure on Thursday, and we'll be back again Friday night with your next Davos Dish against the White Sox. Good night.